0: We um, are going to continue. Well, actually, we're not continuing. We're going to begin our sermon series in the book of Philippians um, today. And I'm going to say this. When we begin our sermon series in Philippians, what we're going to see is that the Apostle Paul, who's a founding pastor and church planter of the Philippian church, he writes from prison this letter. He's most likely in Rome. And this letter is an encouraging and challenging letter. Encouraging because this Philippian church, not very old, is mainly Gentile in makeup, is excelling in the gospel message. They're excellent in their support of Paul's ministry. They're excellent in their organization and growth. And it's encouraging to Paul who finds himself imprisoned. For preaching the gospel throughout a pagan and Jewish empire. Encouraging that his suffering has not been in vain. That the Philippians are a shining example of God-generated commitment and change. And in this encouragement, Paul praises and seeks the one who is responsible for their conversion and their growth, the Lord Jesus it is in this letter, in its praise and adoration, in its instruction throughout the book, that one word surfaces in almost every part of this letter. That word is joy. That there is joy for the Lord and what he's doing. Joy for them. Joy for the work the Lord is doing and calling to be done through them. With this in mind, our series through the book of Philippians will be dedicated to such. I'll call it the Joy of Series. This morning we will look at the joy of you. The joy of you. Hear the word of God, Philippians first chapter verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons For me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of God. If you're like me, and I believe like a lot of people, most people, you spend a lot of your thoughts about yourself in trying to fix something about yourself. That when it comes to who you are and how you are, many of your thoughts are discouraging. Even some of them them are disgusting. You're disgusted with yourself that most of your life is a restructuring of you or the destruction or deconstruction, if you will, of who you are. And what makes this... Hit harder is the fact that if you aren't consumed by your own thoughts, the world around you will quickly remind you when it comes to you, there's no time or place to rest to be okay or to be joyful about your life. That you're a complete mess and you need to begin to do this and that to begin to do what? More and more to get better. Many of us have even resorted to to run or to work or perform real hard to avoid the mirrors of correction and rebuke and self-diagnosis. Some of us pretend or live in a fantasy. We We make up or create reasons or ways that we are great or lovable or acceptable. This morning. This message from the opening of the book of Philippians is about simply the joy of you. It describes the pure joy the apostle Paul has for God's people in the church, the Philippian church, and though this message is less about my personal feelings as some of the, your some of you um, as your pastor, I must say that I share. Yes, I share in Paul's view concerning you more often than you probably do for yourself. I too find joy in you. Why? Because you are God's people. You're special to God. Because God's at work in you. You're being used by God. And because you are enjoyed by God himself. And to see that be so and work itself out in real time, in real space, in real lives with issues and struggles. There's only one way to describe it. A joy for and of you. That God in this salutation, this greeting, this hello from Paul. It's calling us to a necessary look at the joy God has for us, for his people. He's calling us to, just in this opening, to put down the condemning mirrors that you've set up or the world has set up and trade them for God's view and joy of you. First of all, there is joy of you because God's people, his people, are special to him. In, in, in Paul's greeting, we see why he finds joy in the Philippians. Because of the work of the gospel, the call of God to relationship with him. They are described in verse 1 as saints. Now what this means is that the, the Greek word is, is, it means holy. That they are set apart. That they are committed by him. That they're called and declared holy by Him, and this is a this goes back to an Old Testament word and referral to the, the the objects in the temple that they're set apart and only touchable by the priests. That they're set apart, especially belonging to the work and use of God. And what He's saying is that you at one time were lost and defined by their sin, and and now you you were, you were once defined by spiritual separation from God, but now you are saints. You're holy you are in Christ just like those objects you are touched and consecrated by the priest Jesus Christ what this means is that, that as God's people you're called and chosen and committed by him declared righteous by his doing declared righteous by his grace by by faith in his calling and committing of you to be holy That you are special. That if you are God's people, if you're a believer, you're his possession. This is who and what it means to be a believer. Now, when I say you're committed by him, committed has all sorts of connotations. Usually when people say they had to be committed or they were committed by someone, it means you've probably been given over to the, you know, the psychological hospital um because you, you need some kind of special care but well, this is not far from the truth here that gives Paul joy because truly God's people these the, the Gentiles especially in the Philippian church were once time one time they were crazy in and because of their sin and when he calls them saints this is a glorious and joyful way of Talking to them because God has committed them to be cared for and covered and made safe as verse one says in Christ Jesus. That they're covered and made holy and special by the blood and sacrifice of Christ. That get this. God's people, his children, were once in time and space, not so, not his people. And now, They have been called and committed by God to holiness, to not being like everyone else or like what they were before or would be like. Otherwise, they are now special to him and their holiness. Not only is their joy and their commitment that they are not like everyone else or like what they used to be before. Guess what? They are no longer for anyone or anything else. The scripture says that they are committed to him. Let's look back at verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Overseers, in other words, for bishop or or elders or pastors or one of those terms. This is a reference to their being part of God's eternal family which is seen in their care and call and participation in the church, that they are committed to him, which is not about their commitment as much as it is about the Lord's commitment to have them be his. That they have become as the church, the very love interest of the God of creation. What is he saying? I'm joyful about you because you, that God is engaged to this group of people. That God will be faithful and when it comes to their well-being, their joy, God has tunnel vision for his people. That his people are the apple of his eye. That, That he has, that as a church they're being prepared to have a place of eternal love with God. That as a believer they are now committed as the earth's most coveted possession by God himself. His people. There's joy because don't you realize as God's people, as his church, the Lord has a jealousy over them that he does not have for any other people group on the earth that they and you as believers are special to the Lord. And the apostle Paul catches hold of this and says, what should fall on what is true because they are special to the Lord. He says here in verse two, grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, it's an appropriate uh, greeting for those special to the Lord that are special to God, you as believers have been given and will be given His grace, his favor, his doting over you, his concern for you at all times and in everywhere you go, his undeserved help it's yours. It's your proper greeting. It would be like if I went to uh, England and met the queen. I would say what? Your majesty? or, uh, or, Or king, your majesty. And so what Paul is saying here is as believers called and committed to and by God, the proper greeting for those who are God's people is, guess what? Grace and peace is yours that the very grace and peace of God is, is is the possession of the believer. If you're a believer, you must believe that the proper salutation because of God's joy over you is hello, but hello comes with you belong to God. Well, then grace and peace to you. Sometimes we need to get up and say it in the mirror. You know, here's the scripture right here. Grace and peace to you. It's a very sobering thought that you can say grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But in serious, it means to get into his means of grace that this Lord's Supper for believers. It is God's grace to you. That as you hear the word, the Holy Spirit works, and you accept it in your heart, that's God's grace to you. That that, That prayer and reading the scriptures, they all say the same thing. One special to the Lord, grace and peace to you. That God's very special favor has reached you that the assurance of his love will be peace to you, peace and grace against and in response to anything and everything that would say otherwise to you. Anything that make you think or believe you are not committed to, that you have been abandoned, that you are not much, that you have nothing to be joyful of, well, the Apostle Paul answers rightly for the Philippian church and for us. He says grace and peace and thus joy over and for you. Some of us are feeling and knowing rejection, even feeling despised. One special to God, grace and peace to you. Some of us are, are feeling depressed or oppressed maybe by the hauntings of a former life lived or, or family life that, that you hate. Your life is always marked by outrunning or always putting guards up against some past life mistakes. Life is a struggle to be and to find joy or be comforted. Scripture here is saying child of God, one special to him, committed for and to him, grace and peace to you. Some of us, you can't figure out your call or place in this world. Who are you? Some of you feel like, well, I'm too old and I have too many responsibilities to have not found myself yet or my place. Let you are committed by God in Christ. Don't you realize you are His possession? You are committed to be his bride. He is faithful to you. Like, 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 engage with someone who's faithful to you, faithful to marry you, faithful to love you. Grace and peace to you in Christ Jesus and from God our Father. And the joy expressed by Paul does not stop just in their identity in Christ, but extends to their works in Christ. That there is joy about them because they, his people, Are actually used by him. Look with me at verse 3. Sister I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you were carried on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. The word partnership in verse 5 kind of tells us that the Philippian church has financially been instrumental in supporting Paul's ministry. Now get this, that they would support a man in Paul Who was thought to be a crazy cult leading criminal gives him comfort that they must, they must be sharing as verse seven says in the grace of God with him. As we see in verse six, their works are joyful to him, not only because of his personal encouragement as a needy, imprisoned man, you know, needing to know his, his 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 gospel is working, but because of grace, their works toward him, their gifts toward him, their work as the church of God are a sign of God at work in them. And now the couching of the praise and his joy and and, and of them in prayer makes sense. He prays to God when he remembers them. Why? Because he thanks God every time he remembers them, verse 3 says, because it is God to be thanked because ultimately their works are a result and a sign that God is spiritually working in them and he is the one producing their good works. I pray for you. When I remember the things you've done because I know the one who is doing it through you. I must tell you I understand again how the apostle Paul felt in part and some of you share in this with me when you see each other. When I see, let me just say, when I, my emails come and I see some of your names in the from thing, you know, Sometimes it has like the forward thing that I know more than a lot, a lot of people got it. But if it says forward, and it's just like me and Georgia or something. And I know they're, they're, that you guys are sending a letter to your pastors or whatever. <laughs> Even before I open it. I get a certain joy. Even before I, 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 I know whether it's something bad or harsh, maybe you wrote me to cut me down about something I said in the sermon. I don't know. But I have seen in you some of you, the the people of Christ central believers in the Lord, the work of the Lord through you and just the remembrance or thought of you gives me joy. And I am led to thank God and praise and pray to him because of what he is doing in you. When I see your cars driving up. When I see some of you lugging the children, when I see your faces, when I just sometimes think about you, I think these are the people of God and God is at work in them, though they have struggles and sins and issues and all kind of problems. Don't you realize God has done some amazing things through you? The very fact that you would lug children and get in the car on a Sunday morning, I don't know why, but Sunday morning the bed feels extra good. I I think about, I, I recently sent a letter out to some of our donors and our supporters and I just highlighted some of the people that are doing wonderful ministry in that church, I think about Jennifer working with the refugees and David Speakman with RUF and I think about the Rosebrooks over at John C. Smith and I think about Lee over working with Young Life. And the fact that you are doing this work is a joyful sign, not only for them, but for those of us around them. And we can look and say, wow, God is at work. But I tell you, the people I just listened, there's some very gifted people. They can make a lot more money and get a lot more acclaim and other things. And like Paul says, you're you're defending and and supporting someone who is in chains. You're supporting the work of the gospel, something that's going to make you a little lower in the society. God's grace must be at work in you. is mashing his grace he's kind of mashing his spiritual power in with their in, in with what's going on in the outside working grace in their lives and when things are done by god's people for god's glory the god of creation is at work in them not only them but other things i see in you guys the the patience and brokenness and in job situations and 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 the many things you're committed to i will say i've seen some of you and and it's you you wives and your mothers working from home and and some of you have degrees that are just sitting on the back shelf and i see your faces and your struggles and your issues and and you got two children and you got one in the carrying thing and on your way to church or on your way to a meeting and you're in small group or you decided to have dinner with the person next door to you so you can share your life with him and the kids are running back and forth against the wall breaking stuff in people's house and i i understand that the lord is at work in you there's a joy over that what you do some of you are pressing in to counseling for your marriages or or personally. Some of you are in recovery groups and triads and community groups and you're trusting God to, to do better. And some of these community groups, the discussions get real deep. Don't you realize God is at work in you? It produces the help and the encouragement even I need as a minister of the gospel to keep going for each of one who... Of you who trust in God, and even those who have yet to, I see God doing some serious things and works in you. And in that, there is joy of you because of the Lord's work in you. In this kind of joy, Let me tell you what happens performance and pressure and so-called failures and setbacks in life are put in their proper place. If you are God's his grace is at work in you just in bringing you to a place that Jesus and the gospel would matter in your life. That's a long journey from unbeliever to believer is is an eternal journey that some of you are just here Just, just the fact you're here. I mean, we could have a worship service just on that. There's joy enough for a few weeks. I mean, I don't know all of you, but the some of you, I do know if you just represent a cross section of everybody sitting in the seats right now, man, we could worship for all eternity just because you are here. That's a miracle you're sitting here. Remember the movie Jerry Maguire when. Jerry's kind of off doing this thing and at the end of the movie he comes in and he says, I'm here to get my wife, whatever. And he's in the room talking. And Renee, I can't say her last name, I'm not going to try. She says, the actress says. You had me at. Hello. You know, don't you know. You get God joyful at hello. Because it is a sign that God is at work in you. That someone who is your enemy, maybe you weren't getting along. Maybe there's struggles in your life. And you come to him seeking him. You get him at hello. What about this? He's got you. If you can say hello. I mean, you just say hello. Let the music start. Let the Dancing begin. Let the joy pour out that regardless of how bad things are or rough, how rough the, how rough it's been going in the going, in the coming, in the figurative hello is all, if that's all that can be eked out in your life before God and the world for the gospel is a figurative, I'm here for, I'm here, hello God. There is joy just in that. You know, we should not take for granted. That we give our time and talents and resources to the kingdom. And I try not to either. The the, the diapers changed over there. The the setup of the worship service, the the singing, whatever else. We should not take it for granted because guess what? It's a sign of God's grace. This is not a Fortune 500 company. There's not shares going to be paid at the end of this thing. I'm telling you now. God must be work, work. In you. Verse 6. Let me me say this. Not only are your good works. A sign of his works in you. But what follows after that. That his works are assurance of better works. In you. Look with me at verse 6 again. He says being confident of this. I'm praying with joy. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work. In you. Will carry it on to the completion. of On to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to keep in mind, again, Paul's possible thoughts being imprisoned. That the works that he sees now, even if bleak, even if unconvincing to the whole mess. Now, you're in prison. Jesus is supposed to help, you know, the church is supposed to be triumphant. And this message is truth and all these things he's believed the gospel to be. And he's in chains. He's in a prison for telling the truth. You, you, there must be. He must have feelings of, Lord, will you vindicate me? Will you make things right? But guess what? The works he sees now is a sure sign and assurance in place of joy that God is faithful to make the works of his and their lives better and mean something. And as the scripture said last week, immeasurably above all, we or they could ask or imagine and in the end it will be perfected at the appearance of Christ. There's an old gospel song we used to sing at my church in Charleston and it had this line, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. I'm telling you, most people sang that song. It was joyful. Now, it seems ironic. Why should we be joyous about something or someone that's an almost? That's a not yet. We have a tendency to do that to ourselves. I can't be joyful about myself because I'm not there yet. I'm an almost, I'm a maybe, I'm simply a contender. You know, I, I, I haven't won yet. Why is there joy? Because you are the be in, simply in the beginnings of God's war, perfect work that you can be sure that if you are God, you're being led and built in the right direction. I'm not asking you to take it for granted. I'm not trying to say, okay, God's going to finish me. Let me just do what I want to do. That's not it. The fact that you are looking to him and for him and seeking him who began to finish the work in you. You know, it's like going from coast to coast. Okay? There's ups, there's downs, there's mountains, there's valleys. But you're constantly heading in the right direction. See, I... I think oftentimes in our Christian lives, we think, man, if I could just go back to the way it was back then. The only times I look back, I was kind of a zealot in college and man, just praying all day. My friends, we had this kind of monastic little holy group and all that kind of stuff. And I think, man, look at me now. Got kids, wife, all this stuff. I don't have time to be sitting in prayer for two and three hours and all this kind of stuff. I wish it was like I wish I was back there. Don't you understand what he's saying is that the progress of a believer's life is ups and downs and sometimes you get real low, like you hit the lowest valley, valley in your life after walking with the Lord for a long time. But don't you realize it's on the way to being perfected by God that we can thank him in the valley or the mountain that the new terrains of your life, their failures and their successes are exalted and humbled by this thought. A new place in your life, good or bad, is a moving to be made and shaped by God's grace for the glory of God. That he who began a good work in you is completing it, is working on it. now you're headed there. Some of you are going through what can be described as pure hell right now. Don't you realize what scripture is saying? Grace and peace to you. Be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. Some of you are in heaven right now. (laughs) Remember grace and peace to you. Some of you are puzzled or a puzzle that is missing its pieces and guiding picture. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Some of us in here have yet to know what, suffer- what, what your suffering, what you suffering, you're going through means. He who began a good work in you is God and therefore he's faithful to finish it. So for some all kind of relationships with our parents and our spouses and our friends. Some of us are just plain lonely. We're thinking, what's going on right now? Where is the joy in this? You know, I got... One, I've got two months into this marriage. I'm one year into this marriage. I'm seven years into this marriage. Don't look like anybody going to die anytime soon. What have I gotten myself into? What kind of mess is this? We went to counseling two years ago. Now we got to go back again. I thought we were done with this or, or, or maybe it's your friends. I thought I found the friends of my life and they left me too. Or I thought I was going to hang with this group forever. I'm alone again. What is going on? God. Is finishing a work in you. He's not finished with you. He's not done with you. He's not through with you. The Lord is not wrung his hands of you. He's only begun to finish you for His glory, and in that there is joy, just in the way He is finishing you, that you would what be enjoyed by Him. Look with what God uses as a finishing tool in our lives. What does God use as his chisel and his paintbrush in our lives? Look at verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is God's finishing tool? It's love. Paul is praying that they're understanding and searching the gospel message, that they would be honed and shaped by him, that his shaping is about his desire to enjoy his people. Let me explain something to you. God loves being involved with us, his people, for their own good. Scripture says, for God so loved the world. That he gave Jesus. And what does that mean? He so loved the world that God came in the person of Jesus Christ to suffer for you. That, that, that God gets joy from seeing and thinking about and dealing with sometimes disobedient and halfway bad or halfway good people. It reminds me sometimes when I discipline my own boys, it gets so crazy in there. Like I would say, go to bed and Clark is just hopping around, he's just doing wrong, and, and I walk in there and I go in there to, to, to put him in timeout or, or to do a little leg spanking or something. And I look at him and I can't help but laugh. Just, <laughs> and I'm I sometimes I have to run out the room. I'm running. I want them to know I'm disciplining them. Oh my goodness. But boy, are they a delight. Don't you realize God gets joy. From dealing with us, he gets joy because you're his children. I can be very angry with with Clark or Harrison or angry at the situation, and they can still break me down into laughter. You wonder how can I be more righteous? How can the mirror be a better reflection? How can I get better? The answer is be loved better by God, to actually be enjoyed by Him abound more and more in his love the scripture is to be ministered to by the message and means of the gospel don't you know the point of the bible is if you will that god would love and enjoy a people who have not known his love or able to enjoy him and i don't want you to hear me give an incomplete picture of that love yes sometimes god has to give us a little leg spanking yes there's a discipline. There's there's things you go through. But in this instance, I want you to be encouraged and led to worship God in this. God enjoys you, his people. It is his mission in scripture to be a holy God loving a once unholy people. This is what God does to Paul in this passage. He wants to give these, get this, very hardworking and committed Philippians Rest and joy and peace and hope in the right thing. In the fact that God in Christ just enjoys his people and his children and that this has effects. It sanctifies. Look with me at verse 10 again. So that what? I want you, your love may abound more and more knowledge and depth of insight so that what? You may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. How can I be more righteous? leads to that we would be able to enjoy and love our God understand that the call to be righteous the call to obedience the call to 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 do what God calls us to do is a call to love him Jesus said if you love me you will obey my commandments (laughs) this is what God is saying here If you love me and you obey me, then the results of being loved and enjoyed by God and knowing that love, it is obedience. It is righteousness. Now, here's what distinguishes the gospel from all other religions. Okay. God's not trying to love you or lure you in to his factory to work for you, work for him. See, God is not trying to hire good people to be committed or paid enough to do good, or to make or manufacture a life of holiness for yourself. No, the gospel is completely counterculture. He brings you in with his love to what? To bathe you more and more in it. See That you may be a product that looks at your God and says, Oh, how he loves me and you and us and his people. Look at what Jesus did. Man, I can't help but want to love and obey this God. What is Paul saying? Sanctification is by grace. It's not by works that you're sanctified, but you and I are changed to be holy and to serve God because we enjoy doing so, not because we must in order to keep his love, but because we can't help it in our desperate pleasure for our God. He doesn't love you so you will do right. He loves you and the result of his love and joy over you is righteousness. You know, the gospel is one of these things you can never get enough of. It's, you can never get enough of that one good message that we are sinners and He is a, a Savior for sinners. Sometimes you can't tell. Sometimes when I, whether I'm talking to believers or, or unbelievers and, and where's the application for this love thing? What do I do? And this message is going to be the hardest application ever for many of us. Simply hear and come and experience the grace and joy of God for you and respond accordingly. What does it mean? It means need him, seek him, thank him, simply recognize and realize and explore God's joy of you. In other words, come to Jesus for the first time and then come again and again and again. You know why praise and prayer is squashed? Because it's hard for competent people like us, like some of us, performance-minded people, to believe that someone, God in particular, actually enjoys us despite our performance. It's hard for us to believe that joy the joy God has for you. Some of us have a hard time worshiping, looking at yourself. You can't believe, I, I can't believe God loves me. I can't worship. Don't you realize God never has a hard time worshiping? That the Bible's picture of God's is joy when he looks at his children and he has enough reason by looking at his people to dance and sing and rejoice and respond and answer your prayers. We'll miss this whole idea if we don't understand what the apostle saying this actually means. He speaks for God. With the voice of God and the word of God to these Philippians and to us. Look again at verse 8. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's saying this. It is not ultimately my joy over you I'm expressing. It is Jesus's affection for you. The word for affection is he loves you from his his bowels that that Jesus loves you from the gut, from the inside way deep, that, that Jesus has a feeling for you, his people that can't be divorced or leave him or escape him. You are so much the joy of God. His love for you, his affection is such that to leave or forsake his children would be to forsake and lie about his own heart. And the Bible tells us God does not lie. What is the scripture telling us? God has an undeniable, unforsaking, life-changing, joy of you let us pray heavenly father hard to believe that you have joy over us you've made it possible through Jesus we pray right now that we would look to you give us joy Help us to know the grace and peace that is ours because we are special to you. Help us to recognize how you are at work in us, never to leave or forsake us, but to finish it. And Lord, finally, help us to enjoy you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.